They said it wouldn't last, and they said that you can't drive profitable and incremental revenue through the affiliate channel. But here we are, 20 years later, and the affiliate channel is alive and kicking and generating profitable revenue for thousands of retailers across the globe. Hi, I am Jamie Birch, your host of the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast, where we talk to some of the industry's best and brightest about their careers, about leadership, and about how to drive profitable revenue through the affiliate channel. Hey, this is Jamie Birch. We have a great podcast for you today and a great guest, one of my uh, great friends, someone I admire and look up to uh, quite a bit. And before we get into his introduction, uh, let me just talk to you about something we have available uh, for you. So right now, this is being recorded in June of 2020. So if you're listening around this period of time, I know one thing you're probably needing is direction of where to go and what to do during these uh, turbulent and challenging times. So uh, JB Commerce, we created a 20 uh, item survive and thrive in the current climate guide for you to download. You can go to jebcommerce.com slash strategies and download that guide. And we walk through all the different ways you as especially an advertiser, uh, can figure out exactly what you need to do to not only get through this very challenging economic time, but also thrive in this as well. So let's get to, uh, and you can go do that at jbcommerce.com slash strategies. So let's talk about our guest today. Uh, Chutes Humphreys is the co-president of Link Connector. Uh, He is uniquely suited to thrive in this digital world. He brings a superior record of leadership, entrepreneurship, and internet marketing experience, both to Link Connector and to our industry. Prior to launching and founding Link Connector, uh, Chutes co-founded and sold uh, the dot-com core. So you can find Chutes uh, speaking at all the industry conferences, uh, such as Affiliate Summit and AM Days. And he is a council chair at the Performance Marketing Association. I highly recommend you reach out and join the PMA. Uh, But Chutes is passionate about disrupting industry norms, pushing the performance marketing space forward, and the Tar Heel basketball team. Uh, he's a great family man and a great human being. So in this conversation, we talk about leadership. We talk about uh, hiring and the key things to get your company uh, through challenging times. And then we move on to uh, to affiliate marketing and profitability and incrementality and the different things that Link Connector has uh, available for you as an advertiser and affiliate uh, to be successful. So this is a great conversation. Uh, we do get into affiliate marketing about halfway through, about 30 minutes. So I hope that you find this valuable. If you do, please share uh, this podcast with your friends, uh, share it in all the socials. Uh, and if you have any questions or you'd like to be a guest, uh, simply go to calendly.com slash Jamie Birch and set up 15 minutes, 30 minutes to chat with me. We'll talk about uh, whatever you need assistance with. Uh, and if you'd like to be a podcast, we'll talk about how that all works. So let's just dive right into the conversation where Chutes and I uh, start out. So here you go. All right, Chutes, thank you so much for joining uh, me on this podcast today. I look forward to every conversation with you. I truly do. Uh, and this is uh, this is no different. So welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Jamie. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, how- And I look forward as well. So yeah. we have some great conversations. Always, you know, and I was, I was pre-recording an intro and I was trying to remember when we met 
and how long we've known each other because our relationship is in my mind is ubiquitous through my entire <laughs> career but i know we haven't known each other for 20 years no uh, we haven't and and i i think i think we've worked with um uh you know people at jeb before but i think you and i met pretty late but you know as they say i think we instantly figured out that our our values and goals are, are are well aligned, and so I think we became fast friends, industry Definitely. friends. Yeah. I I agree, the same thing, and I hope when we reschedule our barn party that uh, oh. you and the crew uh, from Link Connector uh, come out. And this actually this extends to anyone listening. We will be having a barn party uh, sometime in 2021. Uh, but yeah, that hopefully you guys amazing. can make it. Get your cowboy boots on. And uh, come kick up some dust. I don't think they make cowboy boots big enough for me, but we'll work on it. Oh, I've seen it. My brother-in-law is <laughs> four, and he has cowboy boots. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, Chutes, one of the things that I found most interesting, and it, it, and it kind of brought to mind that we haven't known each other for two decades. Uh, when uh, in prepping for this, I always go and look at uh, LinkedIn. You know, I want to, you know, what what don't I know? So um, I didn't know you were uh, a vet of uh, the U.S. Navy. So first, thank you for your service. Um, yeah. And how'd you go from Navy to, uh, it looks like software developer, to right. co-president of one of the leading affiliate networks? What? Doesn't everybody use the military to learn about affiliate marketing? I mean, I thought that was the path. So that was just yeah, a natural path for me. I think it's the only place that's been teaching about it. <laughs> yeah. So um, so I was a military brat uh, growing up. I did not have an affinity or love of the military. I did not envision myself ever becoming an officer in the Navy uh, but when it came time to go to school, we lived down in um, South Carolina, and the only way my family could afford to send me to my alma mater in North Carolina, or what became my alma mater in North Carolina, was through some kind of scholarship. So I signed up. Uh, I got a scholarship to Carolina through the Navy and owed them four years of service uh, as part of that as a commissioned officer. Um I ended up staying seven years because uh, my four years were up right at the end of Desert Storm. I was I served oh, wow. in Desert Storm and, you know, nine months in the Red Sea during Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And so came back very ill prepared to transition to civilian life, uh, wanted to get married and, and those kinds of things right away. So um, I ended up staying seven which was a great thing. Uh, I did shore duty up in DC for three years at Bureau of Naval Personnel that used to be there. And through that assignment, worked with some of the smartest men and women that I've, you know, had met to date and started really falling in love with computers and all they could do, software design um, <clears throat> and those things. And so just just developed a passion in the early 90s for um, all that could do all that you could do on computers and and so pursued a job uh, after I got out of the Navy with a software design and development company I was doing night school uh, for an MBA with a concentration in information systems at the time and wanted to work for a software design and development company and so um, 
got a job in DC, a company that was uh, uh, out of Boston, uh, doing software design and development, cutting my teeth on those kinds of things, and 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 really loved the job, learned a lot. Um, so I I think most people that know me in person don't think of me as having the personality of a programmer, not that that's a good or a bad thing. I just, but I just, I love the logic uh, that, that comes with those kinds of things. And uh, so I, around 98, I was gaining a lot of frustration with what I was doing. I was doing a lot of de- desktop software development. And while I liked it, I felt like this new thing called the internet is exploding and I'm being left behind. And none of the projects that I were assigned to uh, allowed me to do any kind of web-based development. And I just felt like that was it. And so I used the president of the company decided to sell in late 98. And I used that as an excuse to take the leap. Uh, I had recently graduated um, from MBA school and uh, felt like I could do it. So I talked to my wife and said, what do you think about me starting my own thing? And she said, yeah, go for it. So I took the leap and um, Ernie and I had worked together in the previous company. Um, and so we both uh, leapt together and started our first online marketing company that really was uh, a, a group of websites that we had acquired and uh, we wanted to monetize the traffic. They were related to taxes. I didn't know a lot about taxes, but I, I figured that was as good as any to, 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 to figure out how to make money online. Uh, we didn't do much as it relates to affiliate marketing until the early 2000s. Um, but once I, we started trying to grow our base and I learned, you know, a lot about SEO and SEM and affiliate marketing was a natural trend transition to that. And, um, I think it was late 2002. We had about a year and a half of affiliate marketing under our belt to try to grow our revenues, uh, through CJ and share sale. Uh, I got to know Brian really well, admired him and all he was doing, building up share sale. But, we had a specific problem that we couldn't solve. It was related to tracking. And I approached Brian and said, you know, hey, can you think you can do you solve this problem for us? And he's like, shoots, it's a good idea, but I, I, I'm small. I don't have the resources to do this kind of project. It would derail what he was trying to do at ShareSale. And so Ernie and I decided to build an in-house tracking solution that would solve our affiliate marketing tracking problem. Uh, that we were experiencing. And it was intended to be uh, it, an in-house solution that, that you know, kind of a internal network solution. Uh, we, we did not intend it to um, grow into what it's become in Link Connector at the time. Uh, but about a year later, as we were building it and we're using it successfully, uh, we got approached to sell our first business. And so I faced a choice at the time. I was young. I was, shoot, I don't know. When was that? 2005. So I was just in my late 30s, early 40s kind of thing. And I I had to make the decision, am I done forever or do I want to keep going? And I was, thank, thank 
thank my lucky stars every day that I kept going because at the time I felt like I'd conquered the world. And looking back, I didn't know crap <laughs> about running a business compared to what I've learned over the 15 or 16 years with Link Connector. So uh, Ernie and I decided to keep going. So we, we, we spun um, the software off of that previous company uh, prior to the sale and uh, reinvested a majority of our money into building Link Connector. So, um, yeah, it's been great. So that's kind of how I got here. And I absolutely adore my job and the industry and the people I get to meet. You know, you know and I can definitely see that. It's one of the things that has attracted me to uh, and and our company to Link Connector. You know, we, we primarily deal with uh, you, Ernie and, and Tara, and you mm-hmm. guys are amazing. And it, it really does seem like you you just love what you do. Right. Right. I, that's And I love, you know, one of my favorite things about the industry is, um, you know, almost every conversation I have within the industry makes me smarter and better at my job because I'm surrounded by just wicked smart people that have this drive and passion for 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 pushing the barriers and and going farther and faster than anybody ever has and I just I love it. I love the conversation. So I almost inevitably learn something from almost every industry conversation I have and yeah. enjoy you it. Yeah. You know one of the, one of the things you said is is you know people wouldn't say you have a programmer's personality and I I think they get a bad rap. The the three or four that I know really well have really big personalities. I know. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> different though programmers as just kind of sitting back and and being quiet and stuff um I, you know the programmers we all have in link connector are, have amazing personalities and, yeah, and yeah. are just amazing people and so um yeah i agree i agree but when That's people great. learn that i started my career uh or post navy career in programming they're like huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally and even back looking in at, around that same period of time a little before my father uh you know he had a programmer working for him and uh i, I don't think i've ever met a personality a, as big as his oh that's uh, fantastic his name, but, uh you know rock climber took us right. uh, uh uh, water skiing in the ocean off the Jersey shore. So, you know, it's, it's a, a, maybe a stereotype, uh, you know, maybe that's what we can do here is break yeah. that stereotype. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, you mentioned, you know, when you decided to keep pushing on after, uh, after the sale of, uh, your first company there that you're glad you didn't, cause you, you needed to learn a lot right now, you know, for our listeners, it's June, of 2020, uh, the the year that we will demarcate, uh, you know, what happened <laughs> the before, before and, and what happened after, right? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I lead two companies and I'm always looking, uh, you know, for how do you do this effectively? So you've led companies through, yeah, I mean, since 99, you, you led them through the dot-com uh, bubble, you led them through yeah. 9-11, you led them through... Uh, two uh, two recessions, and now uh, I read today unemployment. Uh, true unemployment is uh, you know almost it's never been this high since the Great Depression. So I know, it's with, amazing, scary, yeah, with, amazing. It's scary, and you know all this social change that's going on. Yeah, um, maybe there's a new cultural revolution that's happening, mm-hmm. uh, and the economy being with COVID. Um, how do you you know what have you learned? 
that you use at uh, Link Connector? What are the leadership principles? But what are the lessons that you learned that you found to be tried and true? Or, or you know, how do you approach leading your team uh, during times like this? Yeah, well, um, like I said, I'm really glad I didn't quit after my first company because, and I will tell you that that um, that the amount I've learned, there's not enough storage in the cloud to uh, to uh, store all that I've learned. But you know, I think it really, I, I think you know, I've made lots of mistakes along the way, and so it certainly. Yeah, you have to be able to recognize those mistakes and learn from them and and constantly strive for improvement and those kinds of things. But, you know, I mentioned earlier that one of the things I love about this industry is is how smart its participants, the people in this industry are and, and how driven they are and, 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 and how they're constantly pivoting because our industry just shifts as fast as a, you know, a, a sand at the ocean kind of thing. So, or, or on a beach. And, 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 and so I think, you know, setting yourself up for success, that's been one of my biggest things that I learned over the years is, is, is picking the right people. So, you know, at Link Connector, we don't hire to skill a specific affiliate marketing related skill set. We hire smart people who are open to self-improvement, learning, you know, they, they want, they, they have that innovative spirit, uh, you know, high integrity and stuff like that. And, and, and then we train them. And, and, and then we work really hard to retain them because that's a, that's a longer process than hiring a specific skill set to do a job. Um, and, and so we work hard to identify the right people. I, I will tell you, and I am not making this up, that I am by far the, the dumbest person at Link Connector. All the people that I work with are smarter than me, and that's by design. Uh, I seek out that. And, 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 and the reason is, you know, my job isn't to tell them what to do. My job is to empower them. And I say, my, it's, it's really the whole senior management team that you, you mentioned, and then everybody below them as well, the managers below them. Our job is to empower them to do their job, to give them the tools and the resources and the support necessary to, to execute our you know, mission and vision for the company and where we're trying to go and what we're trying to build. So, so that's the biggest lesson I think I learned over the years. Uh, you know, and you talk about the, 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 the turbulence of our current times in 2020, who knew 2020 was going to be this, you know, we, one of the hardest days, um, or, or time periods of, of my career, uh, you know, looking back was, you know, when that recession hit in 2008, you know, we were growing rapidly and going way too fast uh, to do the kinds of things that you need to create a stable foundation on which to build. And, um, you know, we had to lay off a lot of our very talented employees that we had worked hard to train um, during that first recession, you know, during that 2008 through 2010 timeframe. And, and one of the things that I said, I don't ever want to experience again is that. And so, you know, a lot of people, I think these days, you talk about the high unemployment or something. I mean, 
they're rightfully fearful for their jobs. And so, so, you know, what we've done, I think at Lincoln Hector is focus on the foundation and making it as strong as possible so that we could take what we internally call these gut punches uh, and provide a stable environment that people feel comfortable um, doing that. So, you know, we were very proactive as, you know, things started happening and stayed ahead of that with our employees, letting very open communication about what's going on, why we were or were not worried about what we're facing, you know. And so I, I think, I think, that's probably one of the biggest lessons I learned is is hire smart people and and um, and and treat them like a team, you know, treat them uh, a real team, a real team. Yeah, no, no one person in our company is more important than and than another. We're all we all have to work together to to accomplish what we're trying to do. That's awesome, you know. And we, I, I've made so many mistakes in. <laughs> In running this business, uh, right. I, you know, I, I did. I don't have a Harvard MBA, but I could have paid for four or five of them. Right. Uh, with those mistakes, Dave Ramsey says, you know, mistakes with zeros at the ends. Right. I have mistakes with zeros and commas. Yes. Um, but that hiring that that really spoke to me because I think that's in our fifteen year history. Uh, in the beginning, that's where we. That's where I really made a lot of mistakes. Me too. And it took a long time to figure out, you know, and and I had to see, I see the best in people. I also, for some weird reason, think I can help everyone be better and and uh, fix whatever issues they have. And and I'm not that. Uh, I that's not me. And I'm, you know, most people are unable to do that, right? And so we had to. That that seems to be you know, a common thing for both of us. And one thing that I learned is it's, it's the people you have in here, uh, that, you know, so it seems like there's, I, I know in March when we entered all this and I remember, you know, March, uh, 12th was, you know, the month was looking amazing. And Mm -hmm. then by March 15th, uh, we were full in, in, uh, the COVID crisis. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, leadership uh, gurus and management gurus uh, having courses and here's what to do now. But it sounds like what you've been able to do and, and what how, you know, those two leadership principles are all before you get to crisis. Right. So you know, have the right people and then prepare to absorb the, the gut punch. One mm-hmm. of the things, and I don't, I don't know what, what you think about this, is there's a lot of businesses that have folded because they simply didn't have enough cash in the bank to last for six weeks without mm-hmm. income. Right. And I know it's hard. To, you know, I run two businesses, so I know how hard it is to, to stock away retained earnings. Um, but that really spoke to me of like, when you get in crisis, if you, if you, if now you're planning for it and now you're trying to figure out what to do, like you've kind of already missed the boat, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And I certainly almost missed the or we almost missed the boat the first time around when when revenues didn't grow like they were supposed to. And uh, we were um, way more not not that there's anything wrong with uh, a lead campaign, but we were way too concentrated in lead campaigns back then. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I didn't envision that performance marketing that that marketing budgets 
could shrivel up, but they do. It's they continue yeah. to be one of the first things that goes. Yeah, uh, that that the you know the sea level looks to 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 save expenses, not realizing um, that you know they're deinvesting in 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 both short term and long term revenue by doing so. So, but I thought and I thought we'd be immune from that in the first recession. So once I learned that lesson, I'm like, no, we're not going to. And, you know, we, we went so long without, with, you know, growth and, and, uh, you know, a a good, nice, steady growing market, but you knew a recession was looming. (laughs) So, I mean, you just can't go forever without recession. So we, we, I, I think, you know, we focused over the years, over the last 10 years on building that solid foundation um, the, the other, the other, and I, and I know that's very cliche and I don't mean it that way, but we talk a lot internally about if we're going to grow, you know, you don't want to spend all your time and energy, um, you know, adding to, you know, you want to retain what you have as well. And, and that's where the solid foundation comes into on which to build, is 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 so critical and and that's where the institutional knowledge i mean again i mentioned earlier about retaining our quality employees we spend a lot of time and effort trying to keep our talented employees with us um one because it 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 takes a while to to integrate somebody as a you know equal contributor to the team um but also um, you know, there's just a lot there to build on now. And I, I had a conversation yesterday where we talked about something we brought up again, something that we talked about eight or nine years ago, you know, I mean, shoot, you know, I didn't remember that conversation, but one of my employees did. Wow. And yeah. So. And when it comes to retention, is it, is it a program that you have, or is it really, you know, defined vision and values and uh, making sure that, you know, the company's living that out. What's that look like at Link Connector? Yeah, I think, I think it's the latter. Um, I, 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 you know, again, you, you have people that have that same passion and dedication that, that support your, your, your mission and your vision for the company where you're going. That's clearly communicated to your employees. And then, of course, I, I think the values, you mentioned the values. And I think you and I, in our first conversation, talked about values, which I love and think about often. But that's important that you're, 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 <clears throat> you know, you're sitting next to and working next to or with somebody that shares your value system that, 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 that has, and I'm not talking about your political values or your religious values. I'm talking about work ethic and how you treat people and and how you show respect and and empower and the desire to empower. So I, I, I think that's critical. And I think I think those things go way farther than a nice benefit package or or um, you know salary or you know the and I'm I'm not saying those things aren't important, but I think ultimately somebody has to be excited and continue to enjoy getting up every day and going to work and, and yeah, be excited that, about it. Your compensation package gets them in the door and then right. your culture keeps them. It keeps took me someone, a long time yeah. to yeah. to realize that and to make the values not this static thing on a poster that people make fun of. Uh, right. but actually actually live those out. One of the things I noticed when we really made that shift to hiring the right people. And, and, uh, it was a Patrick Lencioni book, uh, 
I, I think the ideal team player is it called, you know, identified uh, uh, people smarts, uh, hunger, and I always do this. I forget the third one, but there are three characteristics. When we switch to really looking for people like that instead of affiliate marketing skills specifically, um, that created that in of itself created a different culture. And now um, we we changed how we interview. So um, the, the peers interview them first. Right. Do I want to work with them? And if they make it past that uh, round, then it goes to our leadership team. And if by they interview, if they agree, this would be a good team teammate. And we think they're uh, smart, hungry, and humble. That's it, smart, hungry, and humble. Oh, I like um, it. Yeah. yeah, so people smart. They're able to walk into a room and know, you know, if they, you know, need to be uh, assertive you know, or not and things like that. And then, uh, humble, you know, they have an accurate view of their skill set, uh, what they're good at, what they're not. Uh, and then hungry, like they want to keep, they want to grow. They want to, I don't think in either of our organizations, we have rooms for clock punchers who, you know, I just want to sit at a chair, do a thing and get paid. When we made that shift, uh, my staff, uh, spit out the employees, even if they made it through the process, if they didn't fit that value, I, I didn't have to do a whole lot. Uh, it, it made me live up to those values and those things. Right. But I saw the team. They were so protective of what we created here. Uh, oh, that I it, love it. It really made it easy for us. And um, But it, like you said, like the first thing you said, it starts with with those people. Um, well, we do the reverse. We we interview management level first, and then and then bring in the peers for the top candidates. But I really like your approach. I'm, I'm going to talk to um, my team about considering switching that because I really like that a lot. Um, um, you know, you have to balance taking up too much of your team's time, but but totally. a- again. <laughs> It takes up a lot of time to train somebody and realize three months later that they're not going to work out. I mean, that yeah. that in itself is extremely time consuming and you have to be able to recognize that and decide on it quickly. So uh, I'm, I'll definitely talk to our team about yeah, the JEB approach. I like it. Well, there's two reasons. You know, I, I'll be quick on this. One was I think everyone deserves a chance. And so mm-hmm. they had to move me to the end. So I only see the people they want to work with. Right. And the, the other thing that it allowed is it's really frustrating for, uh, you know, most of our staff is uh, 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 early thirties uh, and mid twenties, somewhere around there. And so they're just learning about leading. They're just Right. taking your first management type of job. And so it can be incredibly disheartening, frustrating and disappointing and, and really can affect, you know, how they look at leadership and management. When we bring in two or three people that don't work out, it's really hard for them not to see that, you know, it's not them, it's who we brought in. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, it does take a lot of time, but what we have found is that time in the beginnings, like you said, it saves so much time in rehiring, retraining, uh, disciplinary, you know, actions, performance improvement plans and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but mostly we had to put me at the end or I'd hire everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that took about 19 out of 20 years. I've, I've had a career, uh, but you, you said something earlier as we transitioned to affiliate marketing, mm-hmm. um, you said, you know, in 2008, you didn't think, you know, 
affiliate marketing budgets would decrease. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that tends to happen. Why do you think? Um, why do you think that happens? It seems you know in conversations you and I've had, and and, and conversations we probably both have had with multiple people that that just doesn't make sense, especially with this channel. What do you think is going on? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things there. I I definitely think, especially in larger companies, a a C-suite might not understand the, the, the true incrementality or the incremental nature of performance marketing and the fact that um, and, and I'm not saying all affiliate programs add nothing but incremental sales and revenue. Uh, nothing does, um, but it, it does a, a properly designed and, and well-executed affiliate program will hit a lot of those cylinders on incrementality. And so I, I think it's just the old knee jerk that I'm going to stop buying television commercials for a while because I don't have the, the, I need to save some money. I need to quickly save some money. And so they think of marketing in those terms as it's more about brand awareness and an investment in the future, which doesn't pay off right away. And of course that doesn't translate to directly to affiliate marketing, you know, affiliate marketing. A lot of times we see, um, advertisers, you know, shut down their program or suspend their program and revenue dries up immediately. Um, and, 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 and they get it and they come back, but there's a lot of, I think, especially CMOs who the, the thing they know least about out of, out of all the things they manage is affiliate marketing. Uh, they know usually come from the search world, but, you know, search is another great example, um, of, of something that as soon as you stop spending in Google on your SEM campaigns or through your agency, however you accomplish search, you see revenue dry up. And so yeah. it, it, I, I think we all need to continue to strive to do a better job to educate CMOs. I, I remember, I know, you know, Gino um, mm-hmm. and his AM days conference from years ago, And, you know, one of the things that Gino and I talked about over and over and over again is how do we get it was it was a great conference. And but how do we get more CMOs to those conferences, not just the affiliate managers, because affiliate managers generally aren't empowered to push back on a CMO that says, I mean, I need to cut your budget who heard it from his boss, the CEO or something. So so, yeah, I think I think we need to do a better job explaining all the way to the C-suite level, the incremental nature of affiliate marketing and why it doesn't make sense to cut that budget, unless it's by design. I mean, we we, we had merchants during this COVID crisis who needed to shut down <laughs> orders. They, yeah. Their supply chain had dried up. They're, they're already taking 30 to 60 days to fill orders. And they're like, I have to shut down my affiliate marketing program. I, I have to choke demand. Um, and, and they get it and they get that they would do that. So unless that's your design is to cut revenues, um, it, it really doesn't make sense to do that. But yeah, we've had, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, CMOs take like three tactics, uh, during the crisis, uh, par- paralyzing, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't. I, I, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Gear and headlights. Yeah, don't move. <laughs> uh, 
That if car I'm, won't hit me if I don't move. <laughs> yeah, it's like the uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, COVID yes. can only see movement. Right, um, exactly. Or they they uh, overreact and cut everything. And, and we've seen some, I mean, cut everything. Yeah. Uh, every really expenditure. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and, and that particular organization isn't even around anymore. They, they didn't make it through yeah. the first 60 days. And then the, the, ne- the, which I think is the right way, if there's a right way, mm-hmm. you know, is evaluating everything, you know, setting a, a you know, what are the new goals? Cause I, I looked at our Q2 and Q3 goals that I created in December and was like, Oh, that's so cute. Uh, oh, I did the same thing. Um, uh, last month I had a, my Q2 board meeting. I had to redo my goals and I'm looking back and I'm like, what was I thinking? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, but 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 what you're talking about is reevaluating based on a new set of circumstances, right? Yeah, yeah. A, a new reality. So, yeah, yeah. and it's good that and, we both did it, and it's good that there are CMOs out there doing that. Yeah, definitely. And it seems I have not. Well, one of the questions that that I had to pose was: there's a disconnect between what we're talking about, CMOs, the C-suite. Mm-hmm. And what the affiliate channel does, and it seems that we're having it, you. You and I could have recorded this podcast in uh, 2005, mm-hmm. um, and it would be just as relevant, right? Probably, yeah. You know wh- why? Why do you think in general? Like, like, why do they have that disconnect? Is it because they they came up, you know, through uh, through most most likely uh, search uh, or. Uh, you know, display and, and advertising that they don't understand it? Um, or do you think, you know, I always go back to, uh, you know, every channel, every channel has bad actors um, and we've had bad actors in the channel. And I think early on did a poor job. I know I did as an affiliate manager in-house of really weeding that out. But why do you think, you know, why do you think the CMOs and the, the CEOs have such a disconnect on it other than, you know, they didn't grow up in it? Well, um, I know you and I have laughed about this before, but, you know, how long does it take you to explain to somebody what your job is? It's not easy to do. Right. And so I think, you know, unlike SEM, especially in the current dominance of Google, I mean, it was a little different in the old uh, go to days and Alta Vista days where everybody kind of did things a little different and it was harder to understand. But these days it's Google and Bing. They both, you know, Bing waits to see what Google's going to do and then starts to replicate it months later. So, so it's easy to understand. It's, I don't want to call it one dimensional, but it's, it's, it's easy to explain to somebody, easy to understand. Uh, I think it's comfortable. And, and I would classify SEO. I would classify display advertising as those kinds of things. You know, affiliate marketing is so complex. There's so many different ways that, you know, we, we've had discussions. Um, I used to think it was Todd Crawford that did this quote, but I found out um, it wasn't. Um, that it was uh, Matt Frary who said this, um, and I used it up on stage once and was corrected as to who the originator of the quote was. But it was affiliate marketing needs to be thought of more as, um, a, a, you know, how you pay for your advertising. 
So it's not really how you do your advertising because affiliate marketing is made up with affiliates that can do almost any kind of promotional type that's carried elsewhere. So, you know, essentially a CMO needs to think about, I mean, you and I know as an example, uh, uh, as a, as a large company, you can do your SEM in-house, you can hire an agency to do it and pay them, you know, 20, 25% of the spend that, that they're charging to your credit card, or you can, you can outsource it to the affiliate marketing channel. There are lots of agencies and very talented affiliates that 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 make a great living um, and and essentially you're shifting financial risk uh, mm-hmm. onto those agencies. You know, you're not paying for the money up front, you're not paying a percentage of spend, you're pricing out basically um, you know, based on your margins, uh, what you want to make on a sale and and they execute based on that. So, so it's really, it's not about a specific promotional method, which is why I think it gets so hard to understand because there's so many different things going on or potentially going on so many different promotional methods. And I think as our industry has, has grown, we do a better job of explaining that. Um, but it's still not this one dimensional way of, getting traffic it's really more about you know how much are you going to do this in-house how much are you going to do this through a paid agency and how much are you going to do it through affiliate marketing and what are you going to allow to be done through affiliate marketing and those kinds of things so i think you know i'm um i you know jeb and link connector are 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 both uh pma members and and Mm -hmm. the the council that i chair at the pma is the industry advancement council and we struggle constantly on how can we educate the outside world for you know to try to support the pma's mission um how can we educate the outside world better on what affiliate marketing is and what it isn't and and you know, escaping the old bad actors, the redheaded stepchild syndrome. So, yeah, and uh, good good time to to promote the the PMA. I'm on the board, and one of the things that I'm helping with is is recruitment. And I always look and say, that's what we need. We need more advertisers, and we need right. more yeah. people in one hundred percent, one hundred percent. They're making the decisions. And I think, uh, you know, it, it kind of sounds like, and, and for what I've experienced, uh, in their minds, affiliate marketing equals coupon sites. I know. I know. How, it so doesn't, but I know. Yeah. I know. I remember, I remember when uh, I was on, uh, I worked at Coldwater Creek and when the affiliate program was really uh, advancing, it was a public company. So that would come up. Uh, in those investor calls. And I remember preparing for one of them, uh, the executive team asked me to come, you know, hey, let us know who are these partners. Mm-hmm. And I got a list. And back then, you know, I don't know if many of the affiliate uh, and the publishers uh, thought this would be, they would have a corporation, you know, and this would be uh, become a real job, you know. Right. Uh, and so the names were all over the place and super funny and ironic and everything. And I just remember one executive saying, if an investor asks me who the hell this is, I can't answer it with this name. Kick them out. 
Right. And, and that kind of demonstrates the like, if, if, if those decisions can be so arbitrary and quick, yeah. uh, that we do need to do a good job uh, educating. And hopefully, you know, we've done some of that. Uh, here. I also think our industry has grown a lot over the last 15 or 20 years from those rebel, you know, spit in your face, I'm not going to work for the man kind of job to more professional corporations acting like grownups, being professional yeah. and those kinds of things. So, yeah. Well, and you, and you, we talk about like categories. We, we, uh, you guys helped greatly with the, the coupon, uh, data, uh, mm-hmm. uh, ebook and guide we put out. You guys gave some, some great data. And one of the things I was talking with Tara and uh, some of the other networks was, uh, categorizing, categorizing affiliates. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you, someone says coupon, well, we're actually talking about they're talking about a, a, a aggregated group of three different types of affiliates, mm-hmm. you know. And so it do us better to talk about it differently as well. And then when you add in, um, and that that's what drew me to the affiliate space. I think even more and more is everything that you're doing in all the other channels. Somewhere someone's doing it for on a performance basis, right? And, and Matt's right. That's what it is. It's a compensation model. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can work anything. And we've done some crazy stuff over my 20 years working with people who would never consider themselves publishers, but we did it in an affiliate uh, model and it worked really, really well. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, Chutes, one of the things that we've been talking about, uh, and I know you have too, um, is sort of an answer to this uh, question of, you know, does the channel provide value and, and kind of help us get over this hump of, uh, uh, you know, it's the first, the, the channel's the first thing cut. Uh, and and it's just not looked upon in, in many organizations as uh, the best channel or a vibrant channel uh, or a vital channel. That we talked about profitability. We talk about profitability uh, and incrementality. And I know you guys, uh, have provided a lot of different uh, tool sets uh, and features in your network to to uh, get to that to help uh, clients get you know drive the incrementality and then uh, review it. C- can you share a little bit about what those are, uh, how they work, and then how did those come about? Was it merchant demand, advertiser demand, affiliate demand, or uh, I think I said in my question, do you have like a secret uh, uh, team? working on nah. amazing features. <laughs> I think Xerox had one. I forget what it was called, but it was right. back in the day they had an awesome, you know, innovation team. So what are those features that that enable uh, driving profitable sales and seeing which ones aren't and then how they come about? Yeah. So, you know, for us, it really, so, so one of the things is the, that's most important to us that, you know, we learned from the 2008 to 2010 um, recession was creating a sustainable. I talked about earlier the the solid foundation, but so a solid foundation is created with sustainable relationships, and and so you know philosophically, Link Connector spends just as much time and effort and resources on the affiliate side as they do on the advertiser side. And, and it really isn't about serving this affiliate or serving this merchant or advertiser. It's about the relationship between one affiliate 
or publisher and one merchant and one advertiser. So we, we kind of think of things on a relationship by relationship basis. And, and we work hard to identify what can make that stronger, what can make that sustainable, um, and those kinds of things, knowing that we can build new relationships on top of existing ones and continue to grow uh, a program for both the affiliate's sake and the merchant's sake um, over time. And so, you know, most of our, we, you know, we are an online marketing company and we are a technology company. Which one are we? <laughs> we're both. And and we take a lot of pride in the fact that we're both. We take a lot of pride in the fact that we do things. We're very nimble. We're, we can pivot easily you know, with our software that we've spent a lot of time and effort building. But it's all it's all to support you know, the online marketing realm or these relationships. And so while we do have some technologies that we've created over the years to support or, or, or foster the sustainability, um, most of our technologies are driven from our customers' needs. And so we don't have a secret squad. Um, we have a lot of internal conversations about something that's going on or some customer that came to us with a request or a need. Um, we will um, adjust our software as necessary on a you know small scale to satisfy this one. But the first conversation we have is, well, if this advertiser has this problem, then then do all advertisers have this problem? And can we think about a way to solve this problem on a more global scale for all of our customers? So we have a lot of those internal conversations um, with our employees about these these sort of things. And, and that's generally the inspiration. How are we going to solve the problem for our customers? And, and so, you know, you mentioned coupons earlier. You know, some of our technologies are related to the perception by a lot of advertisers that coupon and loyalty sites don't add value. Well, why do they? It's not, we don't spend a lot of time trying to convince them that they do add value. There's plenty out there that, that does that. We try to identify, well, why do they feel that way? What is it about them that they feel like is not adding value? And how can we solve that problem from them? Because there's a tremendous amount of value under the right set of circumstances that these coupon and loyalty sites can add for an advertiser, as long as we can eliminate the perception in a technological manner, the perception or the, the problems that these advertisers are having. So, um, you know, the, I, you know, the thing you and I hear often is the coupon sites, you know, users only go to them when they're already in the shopping cart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing, right? They're already, they've already made the purchase decision. Well, have they already made the purchase decision? So you can go into those philosophical arguments. And I think there's a lot of value into having those arguments or discussions um, amongst affiliates and advertisers. But, but what's the real issue here and that that's where you get into well let's take a look at the data you know how often is that true and your article did a great job i think highlighting that gathering the data from the various networks highlighting that this perception is a mis misconception a lot of times so so um but 
But that's the impetus to what we do with technologies. Our, our latest um, that you and I have talked extensively about, Infinity Codes, mm-hmm. that is a rare one uh, in, in our network. We, 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 are, we are trying to solve a problem, but it's not a problem that was being complained about. The problem we're trying to solve with Infinity Codes is remove the long pole that exists of an affiliate wanting to promote, say, via a social channel or, um, you know, um, through a a newsletter to their customers, whatever. They want a a code. They need it now, and they have to request it, usually through the network, and, and wait for the merchant to go into the shopping cart, create that coupon, get it back to them. And that takes a while and it takes a lot of effort. You yeah. kind of sometimes have to justify the, 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 the merchant's effort up front. Hey, if I can, if you can give me this coupon code, I can do a lot with it. You know? Oh yeah. You got to do a ROI analysis for every right. coupon code. Yeah. That doesn't take any extra time at all. No, no, no. And so, so what we thought about was what if we can remove that constraint what if we can remove and you know kind of have that discussion up front with the merchant and say we'd like you to create this base code that's you know whatever a a normal as an example a 10 percent off you know run of the site code that a merchant is willing to do and what are additional constraints that you have along this and now Let's put those in our system and turn over the coupon creation process to the affiliate and let them do it. And so now with the merchants, the merchants, by the way, we thought the affiliates would love this and they do. The merchants really love it. And so but but now you've empowered affiliates to create a code anytime they want based on that base code and 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 constrained by the merchant's constraints whatever whatever they might be you know merchant might not want a code out there that lasts more than seven days as an example so the base code lasts forever or however long they want it to last but the constraint says hey affiliate as long as you go into link connector and create a code and and so that doesn't last more than seven days then we're fine with that and don't bother me kind of thing so that's been very successful we're we're you know, that's that's a rare, rare technology where internally over time we we've tried to to get out in front and create a, a new way of thinking or a new not that we're not always trying to create a new way of thinking, it's just a technology that supports that. Um that's that's less common in Link Connector than um an advertiser or an affiliate saying, boy, I really wish I could do this. I could do my job so much better if, if you had this. And we, we not only listen to all those conversations, we actively seek them out constantly with our customers. How can we help do this better? How can we save you time? So you can focus your time on building more relationships, not on managing your program. You know, and I love how that bit of technology goes back to your organization's philosophy of, you know, know, affiliate marketing is a model of payment and enabling all sorts of relationships to happen. And Mm -hmm. how do you do that is you reduce the friction uh, as best you can. And I love technologies that remove friction from the marketplace. Uh, And, you know, I've, 
I think I've managed and my company's managed, you know, several hundred programs over the 15 and now close to 16 years that we've been in existence. And that has been a constant through that entire timeline of frustration of we have a we we're working with this affiliate. We'd like to do this thing for them. We need to get them a code. Uh, and this is how we do it. Instead of one conversation, right. uh, what's our code, a coupon and promotion strategy? What are the constrictions and restrictions right. and goals? And then allowing, you know, we've done things where we've had access to the coupon table uh, in their system. Sure. And that reduced friction, right? Right. But, and we still had to do that ourselves. And the technology that just re- removes all of that is is superb. So I'm no, I'm not surprised at all that uh, that's working really well for you guys. Well, and that's that's only a small improvement. Where we see the big improvement is where, you know, affiliates, and there are lots of affiliates out there that have masses, massive amount of data on their user base, right? And so what we're working towards is a programmatic creation of affiliate codes where you're, you're potentially creating thousands or even hundreds of thousands of codes in a month to really start adding value by increasing conversion rate and AOV and those kinds of things. Because, you know, we all know, we all learn in business school about A-B testing, but hardly anybody is doing A-B testing with what works with the users, what motivates, what creates the demand, all of those kinds of things in the coupon route. And when you start talking about a a relationship where you're working in that manner, where the the loyalty of the coupon side is actually adding value by increasing AOV and conversion rate and those kinds of things with the data that they have in the user base, now you've reversed course on whether these types of promotional um, affiliates can add value. As an advertiser, you're actually looking to leverage everything they know about their user base to drive more customers your way and and those kinds of things. So that's kind of what it's designed to do. That's where we're, we're heading and that's where we're hoping to get sooner than later with the larger affiliates that can do that. That's, that's fantastic. I love to hear that. The, you know, the customization and we've always preached uh, you know, you have to look at almost like each partnership is its own channel and each will have its own goal. You optimize specifically for that, uh, measure and, and pivot. And the testing is huge. We have, uh, we have a six step client success map and in step four and five, it's all about reviewing data, uh, defining profitability and making adjustments at a channel level, a category level, and an affiliate level. Mm-hmm. And and that includes testing, testing creative, messaging, right. coupons, Absolutely. product, partners, all of that. Yeah. Um, and I think some some CMOs, they don't get to see that, that scientific method of uh, testing what's working and what's not and what's what is truly driving uh, you to, towards your goals, what's hitting your goals and what's not. Well, Chutes, I have enjoyed this greatly, and I know you and I could probably talk for for three hours, uh, but uh, I'm not Joe Rogan, and I don't think people are going to listen to me for that long. Uh, (laughs) So um, where can uh, our listeners um, reach you and follow you? 
Um, so, uh, on Twitter, Link Connector channel, I have my own, but I think they'd much more enjoy following Link Connector. Um, and, um, you know, if they want to reach me personally, the, the best way to do that is, uh, email chutes.choots dot Humphreys at linkconnector.com. So great. Um, and if, What's I would the love to way? say, I would love to say, find me at the bar at one of the upcoming shows. I'm usually there, but, at, at, you know, after the sessions and stuff, but, but unfortunately we don't get to travel these days. So. <laughs> yeah. And who knows when that will happen, right? I know it's so scary. Uh, well, if they want to talk to Link Connector about launching a program or joining as an affiliate, what's the best way just to go to linkconnector.com? Yeah, they can either go to linkconnector.com. They can send an email to sales. Uh, at linkconnector.com or contact me directly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, we have a wonderful sales team. You mentioned Tara earlier. She, she, she's our VP of sales and marketing. She's one of the smartest people in the industry by far. Totally Um, agree. And, um, and loves having conversations with, uh, you know, prospective and current merchants and advertisers about their program goals, what they want to accomplish and how Link Connector might be able to assist them with that. Yeah. Awesome. And and to our listeners, there are a lot of technology features that Link Connector has that we have not even touched on. Mm -hmm. So if you are looking for that, I definitely, you know, check them out. Uh, If you're talking about profitability, if you're talking about uh, publisher diversity, uh, and then enabling your publishers to do great things in 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 any way that uh, that they're pushing the envelope in uh, to reach their audience and convert sales. Link Connector is definitely one that you know one network that we love, and the technology is is uh, cutting edge and offers some unique things you can't find anywhere. So definitely check that out. Yeah. Uh, to- what- what problems, what problems, what frustrations do you have right now? What, what do you wish was different? Come to us with that conversation and, and, and maybe we already do it different for somebody. So that would be great. Awesome. Well, Chutes, thank you so much. It is Thanks, always Jamie. a pleasure to chat with you. And uh, we will, again, if you want to uh, contact Chutes or Link Connector, uh, we will host the, put those in the show notes. Uh, but thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. And for our listeners, uh, please share uh, this episode if you find it valuable. Thank you, Chutes. Thanks, Jamie. And stay safe. Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion about all things affiliate marketing. And remember, if you're looking for strategies to survive and thrive right now uh, and during any turbulent times, we want to direct you to jebcommerce.com strategies. There you'll be able to download a 19-step guide on strategies and tactics to help you uh, get through what's going on right now as well as thriving and you can so download that guide we actually threw in a bonus tip uh, that is from link connector as bonus number 20 so please check out that guide at jebcommerce.com strategies and remember if you need any help with your affiliate program contact us at get help at jebcommerce.com and we would love to sit down with you and help you run a profitable affiliate program